I'm about to whip somebody's ass. Boy, oh boy, welcome to the Philly Experience Podcast, everybody. My name is Max Spretzel, joined as always by Tyre Hood and Tanner Gilmartin, two guys who I'm sure feel just like I do today. Uh, coming off a terrible, terrible Game 7 loss at home, the Philadelphia 76ers season ends unexpectedly. I know it's something that we all thought wouldn't happen, at least until the Eastern Conference Finals, but they come up short once again. This time, there's no Brett Brown to blame. It's Doc We Brown. got our ass kicked. Indeed, we did, T. We got our asses handed to us on a silver platter. Trey Young, um, even though he shot 5 of 23 in game seven, he really took it to the Sixers, the lobs, to Capella, you know, Bogdanovich, the whole deal. We'll get into it. So, uh, for your guys' standpoint, of course, we got to get your observations and what you think, um, you know, honestly caused it because there's multiple things and, and directions you can go here as far as the reasons why. But when you take, when you take away, you know, and you, and you sit back and look, at what the Sixers were able to do, not only, you know, the regular season and, and we're just kind of pushed through the Wizards in the first round, but how everything just kind of came to an end for us so suddenly and unexpectedly, especially that Game 5 loss, which I think might even be more important than the Game 7 loss. You know what? Uh, I, <laughs> I know everybody is expecting, you know, us, especially me, to come in and just start yelling at the top of our lungs how we're disappointed and this team stinks and, you know, this, that, the third, and other. Look, I I did an overnight shift after the game at WIP. I did all my yelling there. I ain't got no energy to yell today. I don't. I'm disappointed. I am. I'm disappointed. I'm frustrated. I'm pissed off. And you know what? This is the reaction you're going to get out of me because I'm not going to waste my energy on a team that doesn't deserve it. I, I'm just not. This team, unfortunately, cannot get over the hump in, of the Eastern Conference semifinals. They just cannot. And like Max, you alluded to it. You, we all thought that Brett Brown was the issue, and the issue isn't just Brett Brown. The issue is with the players. It is deeper than Brett Brown. This team still has a problem with turnovers. This team still has a problem with an inadequate bench. This team still has an issue with some of its starters being inconsistent. But one main issue is dominating the press all around the city, all right? And if you have to be under a rock to not know the direction that I'm going in, and that is number 25 for the Philadelphia 76ers, Ben Simmons, all right? I said it before the season started. I said it during the course of the season, and I'll say it again. Ben Simmons was a liability for this team. I'm not saying this as a hater. As a matter of fact, I want Ben Simmons to succeed. As much as I want Ben Simmons to succeed, as much as I wanted Ben Simmons to succeed, he didn't step up to the plate. You cannot go into a series and only and not score double-digit points at all throughout the entire series. That just can't happen. Not to mention the fact that you also cannot go into a series, all right, and in games four through seven, not score, a, not even attempt a layup, a dunk, God forbid a jump shot, in the fourth quarter at all. No, you did not attempt anything in the fourth quarter at all. 
You had a chance at a dunk in the game seven, but instead you passed it to Matisse Thibault through a double team. And everybody looked at you like, dude, what in the hell are you doing? I can't. And, and then uh, didn't make matters worse. <laughs> to make matters worse, you now, Ben Simmons, hold the record of having the worst free throw percentage in the NBA playoffs history. How is that possible? 34.7% from the free throw line. How? How how is this possible? How can you be that inadequate? How can you be that scared of contact to the point where you you don't even want to be a foul because you know in the back of your mind you're not going to hit that free throw? Then on make then to make matters worse, you're a max player on this team and I don't see you within the last three, four minutes of the game because they're now because now the hacker Ben is starting to work against the Sixers. That's a problem. Ben Simmons is holding this team back. And there's no getting around that. You can call me a hater all you want. I'm not a hater. I'm just telling I'm just telling you what it is. Ben Simmons is a liability for this team. Yeah, T, you know what? Ben Simmons let down everyone that was on his side this whole season and before that, including me. Obviously, I was still on Ben Simmons' side. I thought he was going to improve as a player. That didn't happen in the playoffs especially. I can't be behind a guy who now struggles from the free throw line. He can't – he doesn't have a jumper. It's broken. And the plays he makes, like, going – instead of going for the easy dunk – Passing it to Thibel, who was double teamed, doesn't make sense at all. He let us all down, the city especially, and we all saw it unfold right in front of us as Sixers fans. He only attempted shots in game one and three in the fourth quarter. Zero of zero from five through seven. It's terrible. It's absurd the way he played. How am I talking about an all-star player right now? We have Joel Embiid, who's on a torn meniscus. The Sixers just lost their window to win a championship. Joel Embiid will never play at the level he played this season. That was the best season, and it will be, of his career. After the surgery, he's not going to be the same type player. Now, as a Sixers fan, I still want him on this team, no doubt. I want Ben Simmons out of here. The way he played was embarrassing for the city of Philadelphia. I agree with you 100%. I think one of the main reasons why we lost this series is because of Ben Simmons. Now, when you talk about Joel Embiid, he obviously fights through the torn meniscus. I mean, this is a guy who understands Philadelphia. He gets their grit. He gets their toughness of the city, which is why I think everybody loves him so much. But, again, the injuries are starting to pile up for him. And not only that, but when they ma- when the time matters most, you know, that's when it always seems Embiid is just, you know, he's fighting through the injuries. He's fighting through the pain. But – we just never seem to have him 100% healthy when we need him. And there's there's the thing where, where he will need surgery for the most part, I think, in the offseason. I mean, the odds are he will require surgery. When you talk about him coming back next season, it's not an ACL. It's not an MCL, right? It's a meniscus. We'll see the level that he's still going to be playing at an all-star level. Um, I don't know if I can see a, a season where he can duplicate what he did this year. And we'll see with the amount of minutes he'll play next season when we get back to normalcy with a, hopefully an 82-game season and all this you know, COVID stuff for the most part is behind us. We'll see how his health is able to come back to him and it, can he play at that level he did this year. And you got to remember, he missed a big chunk of time, I think 18 or 20 games, somewhere in that range. 
And that's one of the main reasons why he didn't win the MVP award. But I don't think for us, the concern is surrounding Joel Embiid. I think he's somebody that we can count on to, to produce at a high level, even after the surgery. And even if he doesn't give you, you know, MVP level numbers, top three in the league, he'll still give you 20 plus around uh, maybe even closer to 30. And uh, just again, defensively still going to be your anchor in the paint and still going to be your star player, your superstar player. Now it comes down to how do you surround him, um, you know, with the teammates to win a title. And I think, you know, there's been people, you know, obviously Daryl Morey had his press conference. We listened to that, but there's a thing around the league where can you win a championship when your number one guy is a center? And that's what it comes down to. You know, you look at Trey Young, you look at Donovan Mitchell, you look at Devin Booker. Those guys are guys that can come down the court in crunch time, create for themselves off the dribble, be able to drive, get to the free throw line, shoot a three, falling out of bounds, you know, crazy stuff like that. Joel Embiid, he can't run the offense. He needs people to get him set in the offense and be able to get him the basketball. And that's one thing Ben Simmons, you know, just wasn't able to do in the series. You know what? And I I hear you, Max. And I'm, you know, Darren Morty, he, uh, what you just said about, you know, centering a team around a center, you know, in the NBA, in today's NBA. I don't want to hear that BS. I, I don't because you don't have to follow the trend of what everybody else is doing to win. Like, I just hate that mentality. Yes, I know it's a perimeter base. I know everybody is, you know, perimeter perimeter based and it's it's a more perimeter game now you need jump shooters and i understand all that of course you need jump shooters in this in today's nba but at the same time how many really dominant centers are there in the nba all right there's there's not many yeah you have Jokic that you, you have Jokic at the top of my head at you know i'm thinking about the top of my head you know deandre ayton for the phoenix suns is starting to you know come into his own but you know there's not really that many big men that can dominate and that's where Joel Embiid comes into play. That's where a player like Joel Embiid it can really set himself apart from everybody else in the NBA. That's where whoever, whatever team has a player like Joel Embiid can really be dominant because there is no other player. There's not many players in the NBA that can take on Joel Embiid. And this is the reason why, as, as Tanner alluded to, you know, this was Joel Embiid's career year. This was an opportunity that we got to see Joel Embiid play in the post. We got to see a dominant Joel Embiid, and it was all wasted. I, You can't move Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid has got to be, I understand, as a GM, and I know there's you know people out there saying that there's nobody on this team that you know is an untouchable. I completely disagree. You cannot move Joel Embiid. You, you can't. You, I see way too much potential in Joel Embiid. I see, I seen Joel Embiid grow i seen him progress in his game you cannot move joel and b you cannot move on from him yeah I, I don't see a scenario where you can do that of course the main person that probably is gonna have to move if you want to if you decide to move him is ben simmons however how do you move a player like that now considering that now his game has been exposed to the entire world and his value has decreased immensely how do you do that? Now, how can you really move a Ben Simmons when everybody knows his liabilities? Everybody knows, you know, his weaknesses. And Tobias Harris mentioned it um, after the after the game in a press conference. He said, look, in the playoffs, defense is different. Reason being, you don't have time to scout defense during the regular season. Because in about a, in about 24 hours, you're playing another team after you just played the team. You really don't have time to really scout that team like that. And playoff series, that's the only team that you're playing for four, four, four plus games. So 
look, there's, there's going to be changes in this offseason. We've already discussed that. There's, there's going to be changes. However, I don't know what you can get for Ben Simmons. I truly don't. If you think that we're going to be able to trade Ben Simmons for, okay, let's say, for example, if you think we're going to be able to trade Ben Simmons for a Damian Lillard, a Bradley Beal, it's not happening. It's not happening. Ben Simmons doesn't have that value anymore. He doesn't. He does not hold that value anymore. Teams know who he is, all right? And he has failed to grow his game over the course of his NBA career. He has settled into his game. He's gotten his money, and he's happy with where his game is. And coaches between Brett Brown and Doc Rivers have coddled him and allowed him to to allow his game to be stagnant the way it is now. And I don't see a scenario where he's going to improve. I don't. Because as history has foretold us, he hasn't improved. He hasn't improved his game. So my overall point is, I, yes, changes are going to happen. I, I just don't see a scenario where you're going to be able to trade Ben Simmons. I don't. Or at least get anything notable for him. I think a Ben Simmons trade will happen. But I just want to go back to when I said that the Sixers missed their window for a championship. The reason is because the Nets were already taken care of. They were gone. We just had the the Sixers just had the Bucks, which I think is a team that we could have beat. Maybe maybe the Sixers could have taken them to Game Seven, but I think they had definitely a better chance than the Brooklyn Nets. You guys can agree too. Definitely. And you're going to the finals against a team like the Suns, which I think is the team that will come out and go to the finals. And I think these are two more favorable matchups for the Sixers going in the finals. I think whether the Sixers win the finals or not, at least they got there to the finals. Finally, they got past round two. All right. There there's less questions up in the air, but the problem still stands that it, it is Ben Simmons who needs to go from this team. Now, what we learned as Sixers fans from the playoffs is Ben Simmons cannot perform in crunch time. When you take your star player out in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter in a playoff game, that means something. That means he can't be trusted on the court. He can't be trusted to shoot the free throw. He can't be trusted to do what he needs to do with the ball to win the game. You throw in a bench player in the playoffs to be that guy to make a play, it's just not going to happen. When you just have four scores on the court and another guy who the team doesn't need to worry about, that's a problem. You're not dangerous to any team when Ben Simmons is on the court. As T said, he's a liability. Now, another thing, a good thing that we as fans learned and Daryl Morey and the organization, Seth Curry is a valid piece on this team. He can make those shots. All right. He proved himself from earlier in the season when we were talking about how we were not sure about Danny Green and Seth Curry. Danny Green needs to go. But Daryl Morey did not make these other he did not make the other drafts talking about drafting Tyrese Maxey and Ben Simmons, or not Tyrese Maxey, Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons, both guys, broken jumpers, didn't know how to shoot. He traded for Danny Green, Seth Curry. He drafted Tyrese Maxey. He will get it right this summer. Daryl Morey will make this team right again, whether that is trading Ben Simmons for C.J. McCollum or another player doesn't matter if you free up Mike Scott and Danny Green's contract you can afford a six piece or a, a decent starter 
I'm actually glad that you you're you're mentioning this because I'm looking at the 76ers who are set to be free agents um, this upcoming off season. Um, restricted free agents: Gary Clark, he never really played, and Rajon Tucker. I've never seen him on the court. Unrestricted free agents: Danny Green, Dwight Howard, freaking Corkmaz. So we've complained about plenty of times, but he's up and he's up and down. And one Mike Scott. If I see Mike Scott on this team again, I, I kid you not, I'm going to flip a lid, y'all. He won't be on the team. He better not. That's all I got to say. <laughs> well, listen, I think, Tanner, you make you guys both make great points. I think, you know, T, when you raised the point about Ben Simmons and his trade value, what can you get back? That was a great point. Tanner, again, the whole thing with the Brooklyn Nets, that was that was great, too, because you're right. Every, every week we come on the pod, we talked about, you know, the Nets. That's a team we got to you know, look forward to it. We'll look, how do we, how do we get over the hump? How do we beat them? That never, ever came to fruition. And it's not because only the Sixers lost, but they did as well. So I always talk to you guys about playoff basketball, you know, regular season, you do what you do. You do whatever you want in the regular season. To be honest with you, I don't care. Tobias Harris even said that post game defense in the regular season does not matter. No one plays. And then if they do, maybe they give it 50% effort in the playoffs. They give it hundred percent effort, every possession. And when I look at this team right now, I see Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, Seth Curry, and Tyrese Maxey as guys that I can count on in the playoffs. I saw Tyrese Maxey do great in the playoffs. Um, and when he was called upon, you know, of course, he's a rookie. So there's going to be some inconsistencies there. But from the first taste I got of him in the playoffs, I like what I see. And I, he's somebody that, you know, in a regular when you when you look big picture in a regular season, who can you count on? You know, who's going to matter when the playoffs start? He's one of the guys that you're going to want on your team, definitely, no doubt. Seth Curry, same thing. We got on Seth Curry in a regular season talking about his inconsistencies, you know, had the COVID scare very early on. We still bring that up because when he came back from it, he didn't look right at all. He comes into the playoffs, scored uh, one, maybe two 30-point games or close to it. That guy's legit. That guy is a sniper. And another thing that's impressed me is he can create off the dribble more than I expected. So those are two guys. You have your Toby and your Joel. You know what you're going to get from them. But right now, other than that, I'm looking at this team, Maz, George Hill, Thibault even, who had a horrible foul late in Game 7, smacked Kevin Hurd right on the head and a fallaway three-point attempt. It was just a terrible foul. We talk about, or at least I did specifically, and I'll take blame for it, about how great of a defender he is. And he still may be very athletic. But at the end of the day, is he somebody I can count on based on what I've seen in the Wizards series and the Hawks series? Because that's when the lights shine the brightest. I can't sit here and say that. If I had to package Ben Simmons and give up a young player in the trade, I'd much rather give up Matisse Thibel at this point in time than I would Tyrese Maxey. Especially because Tyrese Maxey, not only can he score the basketball, it looks like he's not afraid of the moment at all. And if he can work on that jump shot, which honestly is better than I think most people thought because they looked at that, you know, 30, 30, 31% three point percentage coming out of Kentucky in the draft. You know, that's the number people kept harping on. He would do interviews uh, around Philadelphia and sports talk, right? And things like that. And people were asking him, you know, what's up with a three point percentage? I think most of it is because that's just what he was asked to do it in college. He comes out and what he did as far as saving us basically in game six. I mean, he had a hell of a game in game six. Stepped to the free throw line late in that game. He had the balls to be able to knock down clutch free throws, something Ben Simmons is unable to do. That's somebody you're going to want on your team now. Is he going to be a starting point guard for us next year or the year after? Maybe not, but he's going to be your probably your sixth man or at least close to it. And I think one other question that has to be raised is Danny Green versus Furkan Korkmaz because I think one of those guys is coming back and one of them is going to have to go. Danny Green's probably going to command a little bit more money than Furkan Korkmaz. So you have to make the decision. Do you want to pay up a little bit extra for, you know, Danny Green and his better defense and his three-point shooting? Or do you want to, you know, I guess, depending on what you get in a Simmons trade, if that was going to happen, you know, it's tough because when you put your GM cap on, you have to make sure the contracts work out and things like that. But do you want the cheaper option in Korkmaz? 
me personally, you know how I feel about Danny Green. I think he's a, a solid defender. I think he's a three-point shooter, you know, three and D type of player late in his career. He'll be 34, I think, next season. But I still think at this point he's better than Korkmaz because you saw what Korkmaz did stepping into a starter role when Danny Green went out, and it just wasn't wasn't enough at all. I'm going to throw it to you guys now, T specifically, mm-hmm. and then when I get back, I'm gonna, I, and, and my, next, my next thought is going to be about Doc Rivers. Now, I agree with you to a certain extent to um, some of the things that you said. Um, look, <laughs> what do I do? Okay, so in terms of Matisse Thibel, um, I he had one lapse moment. I cannot get mad at him for one lapse moment. And I've always said with Matisse Thibel that I think if he develops his perimeter shooting that – he can be a viable asset for any team in, this, in the NBA because you really need DN3 players. Honestly, if T. Steibel takes a step forward, then if you do bring back Danny Green, Danny Green can be a piece that you bring off the bench and not necessarily starter. Tease can be that starter. So I, so in terms of T. Steibel, I think there's value there, and I wouldn't use him as a trade piece. The thing of it is, and I'm also going to get into it about Doc Rivers. I'm going to start the conversation with Doc Rivers. Um, in terms of the rotation and, and – the way they played the players. Look, you really wasn't getting any consistency. Don't get me wrong. I see a future with, uh, with uh, Tyrese Maxey. I do. I, I, I see the energy that he brought. Like you said, he basically single-handedly saved the Sixers from being eliminated in game six and pushing a game seven. Like, that was him. So, I will give Tyrese Maxey credit. And he's he's a rookie. You know, he's going to grow. He's going to have growing pains. And I do think that he's going to be a valuable player in the NBA. I truly do. The thing with Shake Milton is, you know, with Shake, you didn't know you don't know what Shake Milton you was gonna get. And it wasn't just that story in the playoffs, it was that story throughout the entire season. All right. There was games where Shake Milton was, you know, that really that energy piece coming off the bench. And then there were times where Shake just disappeared and you didn't know where Shake was, which allowed Tyrese Maxey to get more minutes. And Doc Rivers had to rotate between those two. And getting to it, you know, speaking of Doc Rivers. You know, people attacked him for this rotation, for this bench, for having to go 10 deep. And I challenge that. Listen, I'm not getting Doc Rivers back. I think there were some things that he could have done better. I think there were some there were some things schematic wise that he could have done better in the playoffs. I'm not I'm not excusing him. However, look at the bench that the Sixers have. All right. And look who was a consistent score from the bench throughout this entire season. Regular season in the playoffs, who was really someone that you could really lean to? All right. The reason why Doc Rivers even had to go to a 10 man rotation through the bench, which is not common for not common to do in the playoffs, was because of the fact there was no consistency from the bench, which is another thing that I hammered from the beginning of the season that this bench needed to be fixed. All right. George Hill was traded for and provided basically nothing. And we're still on the hook for him for one more year. All right. So. Furkin Korkmaz, another, um, another, he was basically our sixth man, but another person who was very inconsistent. Max, you alluded to it about the fact that, you know, when he became a starter, he was basically a non-factor as well. All right. So there's them. Shake Milton and Tyrese Maxey. Those guys basically swapped minutes due to the fact that you never knew who was going to be hot. All right. There was times Maxey was cold. There was times Milton was cold. There was times Maxie was hot. Then there was times Milton was hot. You never know what kind of, what type of play you was going to get. Maxie, I expected out of Shake, not so much. All right, Shake, I need Shake, I needed um, I needed a more consistent offensive player out of Shake. And then you have Dwight Howard, who you know what? I don't need to see him on this team either. All right, some of the fouls that he was just 
from some of the fouls he got was just completely inexcusable, and they were stupid. All right, this riding, just basically playing piggyback with players and whatnot. Like, come on, man. Gee, come on, Dwight. Come on, come on. And then Mike Scott. Mike Scott even getting into some of these games. Look, man. Nothing needs to be said about Mike Scott. Nothing. All right. He, he better not be on this team. My point is this. Doc Rivers did what he could with the team that he had. He did what he could with basically playing 4v5 every game out and basically an inconsistent bench. Doc Rivers did what he had to do. All right. And I think, and I really do think that Doc Rivers is taking more heat than I think is honestly necessary. He truly is. I, I do think that he he is a good coach. I, I truly do. But he was working with what he could. And I'm sorry. Like, y'all can attack me all you want for defending Doc Rivers. I don't care. I think he did what he what he could, honestly. I really do. Now, I know Max wants to get more into Doc Rivers. So I'm just going to say right now that the Doc Rivers hate is not unnecessary. Uh, there, there's a reason behind it. Oh, I'm not saying but that. Going into more of the blame for the game seven loss you have Joel Embiid eight turnovers Ben Simmons play and Doc Rivers rotations uh, all those factored into losing to the Atlanta Hawks which I just want to go back Ben Simmons who is he afraid of on that team on the Hawks why is he so afraid to play against Trey Young or Herder or someone why it doesn't make sense John Collins yeah. uh, once again he he let the right John Collins and Ben Simmons, they were getting into a, a shove match. I thought something was going to pop off there at the end of the game with, yeah, I mean, Ben Simmons just wanted to hold the ball, which is weird because what's, what's he going to do with the ball? I mean, he's not going to, he's not going to score, but um, so, and then to see now just yesterday that Ben Simmons is thinking about changing his dominant hand when he shoots from left to right. Why, why, why did this take so long? It's ridiculous. And you see in the press conference post game, Ben Simmons, he is who he is. What? It's, it's just inexcusable. Yeah. To I, say that <laughs> after Joe Allen Bede steps up with this torn meniscus and says that he can still play better. And Ben Simmons says, I am who I am. What kind of bullshit was that? That made no sense at all. You ain't Tanner. You ain't never lie. He said that during the press conference, and I'm in, I'm in the studio. And when I say that, I wanted to go off so bad, but of course, CDC, I'm censored. Man, you've got to be. You are who you are. Who you are cost your team a chance at a championship, an easy championship, and which really the only competition of the damn East. Was the Nets who were eliminated? You could have took the Bucks, but Bucks would have provided a challenge. But you could have took the Bucks. And Joel Embiid turning the ball eight over eight, eight turning the ball over eight times is as a result of everybody crashing down into the paint because whoever the has to defend Ben Simmons, all you gotta do is double team whoever has the ball. Right. I, I, I How many times is Ben Simmons going to let this city down? Whether it's on the court or it's just on the street. Or in an interview, he's talking. Now, earlier it was, he goes to the beach in between games when they were playing in L.A. and, and stuff like that. It's what? He just continues to let us down. You have Joel Embiid, once again, torn meniscus. He's just working out there. He's He comes in third for the MVP race. And 
I just don't understand why why Ben Simmons does. He just to me, he doesn't want to be on the team anymore. He just does not want to be on the team anymore. And there's so much to say about Ben Simmons because he let us down. He was our second guy. But then you have also Tobias Harris. Where was he? Where did he go? I know he he gets silent points. Right. He got what was that? 20 points Mm. on Sunday. Yep. 20 or something with 24 points. Like, he's just not there when you need him. It seems like he's just invisible. But see, that's the thing, though, Tanner. I think we put too much stock into Tobias Harris and who he is because the reality is he's not a number two scorer. He's definitely not a number one. He's really a number three, number four scorer. He's not a guy that you really need to rely on for points. And I think the issue is in this offense, he was basically the number two guy that you relied on to get points. And he really shouldn't have. He, he. Re- this is another reason why Ben Simmons. Need, I'm frustrated with Ben Simmons because of the fact that it pushes guys up into spots where they need not be. Of course, Joel Embiid is going to be your number one scorer. Tobias Harris was is forced to be a number two scorer, even though he's a number three. Seth Curry is forced to be your number four, number three scorer. All right, you're. And Danny Green, well, okay, Danny Green's exactly where he's supposed to be. But once again, if Ben Simmons steps up, this is an entirely different basketball team. It's it's frustrating. It truly is. It is it's really disappointing. Yeah, T, that's where I was going with it. You know, Ben Simmons coming in and uh, you know, I think at the beginning of the season, Tobias Harris is probably like, All right, Ben Simmons, he's gonna be you're the number two guy. That means I'm the number three guy. I think as the season went on, Tobias realized, all right, well, this guy's not doing anything for us offensively. I need to step up. And I think Tobias Harris was forced in a role where he was probably taking more shots than he wanted to. I love Tobias Harris. I think you get another guy. Again, like I said, you got to get this city. You know, there, there's only a select few people that are built to handle and play in the city of Philadelphia. Tobias Harris is one of those guys. I think he gets the city. He's a great guy off the court, on the court. He's a good player. He's a number three guy on your team, a very solid number three. And what the Sixers need to do um, is figure out what to do with Ben Simmons. And again, I'm going to mention that a, a little bit more in a second here, but I got to get to Doc Rivers. And see, I get your point where, you know, you have all the history of Doc Rivers and what he's done, the championship with three Hall of Famers. Let's not forget, by the way. And I just want to touch on the regular season. You know, he was brought in, you know, and we're all thinking to ourselves, all right, Brett Brown's gone, new era. Let's unlock Ben Simmons. He's going to be more aggressive. Maybe he can, you know, listen to Doc Rivers, who has that big pedigree, um, you know, teach Ben Simmons, you know, how to not, not just how to shoot the basketball, just how to play the game and win and, and score even, not, not even just the shot in general. And he comes out, and the first thing he says in his press conference, what does he say? He says, I don't know why you guys are harping on that so much. You know, actually, I'm thinking the opposite. You know, you just have to look at what he does well and just build off of that. And I think we all took a step back and we say, listen, we brought your ass in here to help unlock Ben Simmons and score the basketball. And Ben Simmons... And he, and he takes that in a completely opposite direction and just harps on the fact that what he's been doing is good. And we're actually going to even take it a step further and just build off what he does well and not even worry about the jump shot. And that's where I think Ben or Doc Rivers lost at least part of the city, even though most people didn't want to admit it because the season hadn't even started yet. They're going to say, oh, all right, Doc, you know, I don't agree with you, but let's just see how the regular season plays out. And another thing I want to mention about Doc Rivers, why do we play the 72 games if you're not going to know what the hell your rotation is in the playoffs? That's why you play the regular season, to know who you trust in the playoffs. You play 72 regular season games to know your rotation. This guy is one of, going into game one against the Washington Wizards. He's sitting there to himself. Um, all right, Tyrese, get your ass in there. Let's see what you got. 
Ah, uh, Tyrese, you're not playing well through five minutes. All right, Shake, let's see what you got. Get in there. I mean, next thing you know, we're playing 10, 11 guys. You should know all this stuff and who you trust and who you want to put out on the court through 72 regular season games and what you've seen. That's what, what are they, what are they talking about on the plane rides to cities and the hotel rooms and the meetings? This is the stuff you're discussing because I don't care about the regular season. I, I really don't care. If the Lakers are healthy with AD, they're probably in the Western Conference Finals right now. And I don't care about the seeding either. If you're a championship caliber team, you'll get the job done on the road at home. It doesn't matter. The Lakers were a seven seed. If they didn't get banged up, I'm damn sure they're in the position to go to the finals right now. But that's besides the point. The point is now you have to look at the offseason, what you do with Ben Simmons. Now, I want I, I think we're gonna end up trading Ben Simmons. I just I wouldn't be so fast to pull the trigger simply because of what T said earlier and the fact that you need to get some sort of value back. I'm not trading this guy for pennies on a dollar. There's he's he's only 24 years old. Doc Rivers, if he's not going to push him, then he's not the right guy for the job. And I know people want to sit here and say, well, you can't eat the 20 million that you gave Doc Rivers. Yes, you can. If you, if you want to win a championship, you don't sit here and waste another season. You have to unlock Ben Simmons if you're not going to trade him. At this point, what I've heard off the court from Ben Simmons, apparently that he doesn't want to work that hard and he is who he is, like T said and Tanner said, that's unacceptable. That's not Philadelphia. You know, no, Joel Embiid, look what he posts after the game seven. I love Philadelphia. I love you guys. I'm sorry that the season ended this way. We haven't heard a single peep from Ben Simmons whatsoever since the season ended. Joel Embiid gets this city. Ben Simmons doesn't get this city. And that's one of the main reasons why I think he should be traded. And my last point here before you know I, I throw it to you guys again is look at the bench. George Hill is not worth anything. We're not picking up his – we better not pick up his $10 million option. He's, he's Buy not, his ass out, mm-hmm. you know – Take the $1.3 million, whatever it is. You're not paying George Hill $10 million when you got two guys who are younger on cheaper contracts like Shake Milton, who I still think has potential to be a bench player in this league, a solid one too. I think what you really need to do is instead of mixing Tyrese Maxey and Shake Milton together, as far as they're both kind of doing very similar things, they're both handling the basketball, they're both out on the court together, they're both taking a similar amount of shots. What you really need to do is say to one of them, you're the point guard in the second unit, Tyrese. You're running the show on the second unit. You drive, be aggressive. You can shoot here and there. Shake, you're the shooting guard. You can create for yourself. You got to be able to shoot the three ball at a higher level, though. I, I want to see. I want to see in the, in the offseason, Shake become a more consistent three point shooter because if he's able to do that and roll side by side in the backcourt in the second unit with Tyrese Maxey, I think that's a very solid play there. And I also like the possibility of re-signing Dwight Howard. He's another guy who gets Philadelphia. You see him on the sidelines, pandering to the crowd, getting everybody fired up. Championship pedigree. He's got a ring. He gets the city too. I buy into that culture thing a lot because I think you need that if you want to, you know, it's, it's almost like a brotherhood. You need that culture to be able to, to win a title in the city. This isn't Memphis. You know, this isn't Charlotte. This isn't, you know, it is what it is. We got a huge fan base. You need to give 100%. You need to interact with the crowd. That's why we're, that's why we're going to be on your side. And that's something Ben Simmons doesn't do. You don't see any passion from him during the game unless it's a breakaway dunk and he'll flex or something like that. But you see Joel Embiid pander to the crowd. You see Dwight Howard with the Frosties pander to the crowd. Tobias Harris even, the Game 7, showed a lot of emotion. You don't see that from Ben Simmons. And that's kind of where you know I stand at this moment in time. Now, I, I, I disagree with you with Dwight Howard. I think you can find a backup, a backup center. Um, 
He Dwight Howard disappointed me. He was supposed to be that defensive anchor, you know, on the second line. And there were times he is where, a good defensive player. Yeah. There was lines. He is a good defensive yeah, player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm not denying that. But there was times he was very like a days ago. And don't get me wrong, I, I completely agree with you in terms of chemistry and pandering to the crowd and really understanding what's you know, how the city is that you play in. Like I think all of those things are excellent factors. I, I truly do. And that really endears you to the fans. However, given all that. Dwight Howard is not the same Dwight Howard that we've seen in Orlando. He's not the same player that we've seen play for Los Angeles. He's just not that same player anymore. Well, T, T, listen, you got, Dwight Howard be, though, on, you got Dwight Howard on a one-year veteran minimum contract. You couldn't pay him less than what you paid him this year, and he gave you a solid role in the backup minutes. He's out there to play defense and get a shit ton of rebounds, and that's what he did all season long for us. He's not out there to you know get in the post and go one-on-one in the post that's not what his role is until you give me somebody else on that type of contract who can give you a solid role off the bench as a backup center then we can talk but until you give me a name i can't talk to you about that conversation with dwight howard all i'm saying is look all i'm saying is go over your options that's all i'm saying if you got if you can't bring back dwight howard then bring back dwight howard i wouldn't have a problem with that um i would I would invite that to be honest with you. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is, you know, there was times where he was lackadaisical and I do need him to step up if he is going to be that backup center. I don't want him to be a world beater. I don't need him to be a world beater. And for the contract that we gave him, I completely agree with y'all. I, I'm not going to argue with y'all about that. All I'm saying is Dwight Howard still needs to step up, especially on this bench. And look, and also I'm going to say this as well. You, you're still going to need a big man in, for the times when Joel Embiid is out. Can Dwight Howard do that? Dwight Howard has did that, you know, somewhat throughout the season. And once again, having not just one player who can't score in Ben Simmons, but now two players who really aren't that really good at scoring. All I'm saying is maybe, just maybe, if you look for an offensive backup center, that might help some things out. You know, that's an option. That's all I'm saying. Now, in terms of George Hill, it's not an option. It's not an option contract. He still has one more year left. So, with worth ten million dollars, I don't. And I completely agree with you. The George Hill con, the George Hill trade was completely useless, considering how good Tony Bradley was playing for us. All right, Tony Bradley was really adding to this team, and it's frustrating to know that we traded him for nothing. So that irritates me. And George Hill has basically contributed nothing. And Daryl Morey kind of said it today in his press conference saying that, you know, he was brought here to, to help out defensively on the second line, you know, with the guards and whatnot. Look, he, he, he wasn't that George Hill ain't that same player no more. He, he's not, uh, he really one thing, me. one thing to hear on the Tony Bradley situation. Again, people, and we talked about this and people would say, you know, Tony Bradley, are you kidding me? Stop being ridiculous here. He's not the reason you lost the no. to the Hawks or championship, but look at, that might be last year. We have to look forward now to next year. Think about this situation. We're talking here about Dwight Howard. What if we don't have George Hill right now? We don't have to make the decision about the $10 million. We don't have him on the team right now. We still have Tony Bradley. You don't have Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard is an unrestricted free agent. You don't even need to worry about resigning him. You would have Tony Bradley on a rookie contract, who's a better backup center, in my opinion, anyway. You know, that's something that's pretty frustrating, of course, because you would have him under contract behind Joel Embiid. Gives you more, like what you mentioned, you wanted a more offensive game. That's what Tony Bradley brings. Um, and at the end of the day, George Hill, you're right. I think it was a, a bad trade. It was, it was a bad trade. I know what Daryl Moore was trying to do. You know, he looks at, you know, something that, you know, you're not going to need a third center because Tony Bradley wouldn't see any minutes in playoff time. 
George Hill would come off the bench for you. But again, at the end of the day, I want to go back to something that you talked about earlier, which was between Maxi and Matisse Thibel. And when we talk about a Ben Simmons trade, the other team's obviously going to want something. You know, they, they know Ben Simmons value right now. The only two guys on that bench that are worth a damn right now is Matisse Thibel and Tyrese Maxey. Nobody's going to think Shake Milton's a trade chip and a gem in a Ben Simmons trade. No one's going to look at Cork Moss, even though he's unrestricted free agent. I'm just naming bench players right now. No one, Dwight Howard, who we just talked about, George Hill. Again, these are guys, their contracts are kind of up in the air right now. There's only really two guys under contract on very cheap deals that are very solid gems. Um, and the gems might even be, you know, too far fetched of a word to use. But it's Maxi and Matisse Stiebel. So when you're talking about a Ben Simmons trade, we already talked about like four months ago, Ben Simmons' value was a lot higher. We were talking about, oh, let's go maybe Damian Lillard, maybe Bradley Beal, like you said, T. But now it's taught, we're, we're looking at guys like maybe Buddy Heald, maybe CJ McCollum, somebody of that caliber who I think still will probably upgrades over Ben Simmons at this point in time. But you're going to have to give up something to get something. And I think at the end of the day, if you're going to trade Ben Simmons, somebody will ask you to include Maxi or Thibel. And looking back at it, knowing now that Kyle Lowry, we talked about last episode, is a free agent, maybe it's a good thing we didn't include Thibel or Maxi in that trade for Kyle Lowry because now we might actually have to package one or the two as well as maybe a couple of first-round picks just to get rid of Ben Simmons at this point. And that you bring up an excellent point, and I agree with you. Kyle Lowry is a free agent coming up this offseason, so now he is an option that you could possibly bring in. So, look. Another guy, see, real quick, mm-hmm. another guy that's going to get Philadelphia. He's going to buy into the culture. Yeah. He's going to understand what it's like to play in this city, and that's why I think it would be a great move to sign him. Um, you might have to pay up because there's definitely going to be teams – uh, you know, involved in, in trying to chase him to Definitely. bring him to their city. But a guy who plays hard, he plays with grit. He knows the city of Philadelphia. He's from here. He understands what it means to win. He's got a championship ring on his finger. I mean, everything kind of points in the right direction here to bring him in and kind of run the show. Not only that, but he can score the basketball and create and, and shoot the three ball, something Ben Simmons clearly was unable to do for us. So if we're able to include Ben and in one of those pieces off the bench in a deal, I would certainly look at that maybe for a shooting guard, a Buddy Heald or McCollum, like I just mentioned. If you can sign Kyle Lowry, all of a sudden things are looking up a little bit for you. You're still going to have Seth either coming off the bench maybe as your sixth man or keep him in the starting lineup because you're looking at Buddy Heald maybe. You're looking at Kyle Lowry as your point guard. You're looking at Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid there. Your, your, your core is really starting to form at a higher level than it already is right now. And that is, and you get no arguments with me on that one. Speaking of free agents, actually, I as you were talking, I pulled up the list of free agents here that are going into, you know, this offseason. And this are, there's some interesting names out here that you can really build your team with, you know, even with trading Ben Simmons. I mean, look, we already mentioned Kyle Lowry. Um, I don't, Chris Paul, no. Kawhi Leonard, not happening. Um, DeMar DeRozan, that's an interesting option. Otto Porter Jr., that's an interesting option. Victor Oladipo, I've always had respect for Victor Oladipo. I truly, I love, I love his game. Tim Injury, Hardaway, he's banged up, banged up a lot. He is, but he's. I think he can still contribute to this team in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Tim Hardaway Jr. is a shooter that you would need. Evan Fournier is a shooter that you would need. Um, Kelly Oubre, nice forward. JJ Redick is a, that's a guy that you can bring off the bench as for a six for a six man role. Let me see. Let me ask you this question. There's no way in hell I would do that as a six man role. Really? JJ Redick, but really? I wouldn't. I think he's past the point of being a six man. I think he's more of like a Furkan Cork Miles, like a ninth guy off the bench for this point in his career. But I want to ask you this question. When you talk about trading Matisse Stiebel or Tyrese Maxey, when you look at your bench right now, and we talk about the potential from Stiebel with a three and D type of role, 
Thibel is kind of your three and D winger. You have Shake Milton and Tyree Smaxey, very similar games. So does that give you more incentive of trading Maxey along with Simmons, knowing you're still going to have Shake kind of another option to fill that role still in a very cheap contract and you keep Matisse Thibel for his defensive capabilities? Or do you think if we get rid of Thibel? See, the, the only reason I raise this question is because if you get rid of Thibel, you kind of have Shake and Maxey still who play very similar games and you True. lose that defensive proudness of Thibel. But if you trade Maxi away, I think you're kind of giving up on somebody who I think out of the three guys I just mentioned has the has the highest potential of all of them. Out of Milton, Maxi, and Thibel, I think Maxi at the end of the day, when their careers are all said and done, I think Maxi will come out on top of all three of those guys. That's what concerns me about moving on from him. And that's the and you bring up an excellent point, and that's the crazy part. I I completely agree with you, man. I I really don't want to part with Teeks because you know he's a, he's a perimeter defender who can defend guards and forwards on the perimeter. So I don't really want to give up Matisse. And then I I have the option of either trading Milton or Maxi, and I'm not really gonna get anything with Milton. And I really don't want to give up Maxi. Like I I truly see the potential right. in that kid. That's a tough part, right? Because you're gonna have to again. No one's just gonna take Ben Simmons and say, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna whistle along all my way. I'm gonna want something back from you." And that's what you have to decide. You know, which one is more valuable to your team going forward? Is it Maxi or is it Thibel? That's the tough decision. Daryl Morey's gonna have to gonna have to make moving forward. I think, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. That's a that's a difficult one, man. I can't. I don't think I can answer that right now. But if I could, if I had to hold a gun to my head right now, I would probably. Probably lean Maxi as much as I love him. I, I do. I love his game. But I'm not going to get anything for Milton, and I don't want to give up Tease. So I would probably I have th- to trade I think. I think going back to players that that should be moved from this team or who should stay, going back to the Dwight Howard um, topic, I, I really do like Dwight. Max, you mentioned the, the culture, and I think Dwight Howard represents the city of Philadelphia perfectly. And during the time, he was the best bet because of the deal Sixers got for him. The low price. Now, T, he wasn't playing at, at like he did earlier in his career. Of course, that's not what the Sixers wanted him to do. They wanted him to fill that gap for when Joel, when Joel was off the court, Dwight steps up. Right. Now, some games he didn't step up as much. Now, he just got too many fouls. They had to take him out right away. But I think I would like to see Dwight Howard play another season for the Sixers. But this all goes back to how Doc Rivers can coach this team. We didn't talk about this enough because how many trades, how many moves this team makes, it still goes down to can Doc Rivers take this team to the finals. Now, you have a fact going against Doc Rivers right now and why people are just hopping off the wagon even more so is that Ty Lue, advanced to the Western Conference Finals with his first year coaching the same, almost the same team that Doc it's Rivers ridiculous. could not get past the second round with. You have Kawhi. Without Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Paul George. Exactly. So Ty Lue, his first year, he does this without Kawhi. Now that, that says something about Doc Rivers, whether that was the team just was not on his side as you saw with Brett Brown his last two seasons, with the whole Jimmy Butler drama, which you look back at, and how how much better this team would be if they parted ways with, say, Brett Brown instead of moving Jimmy Butler or moving Ben Simmons when he was worth more and keeping Jimmy Butler around. Now, this is all fantasy. Now, yeah. we can talk about this stuff 
because the Sixers are eliminated. And that's all we'll have to talk about until they play again next season. There's a lot to be done with this team, and it's not just moves. It's coaching. The thing with Doc Rivers, too, real quick, that I need to figure out is, is he just babying Simmons, or is he legitimately saying to himself, I need to coddle this team and make them feel good about themselves, and I can never throw somebody under the bus? Because if it's strictly with Ben Simmons and he's traded, I think Doc Rivers can stay, and it's a possibility as long as we get the right pieces in place, we can go far and win a title. But if this is just his mindset with how he's with with every player, I don't think he's the right man for the team. And currently, right now, if he, I don't think he's going to get fired. I don't think the Sixers are going to eat that money. That- but if we fired him tomorrow, I don't think he. I, I wouldn't sit here and be like, "Oh man, that's a bad move." You know, I, I really wouldn't. On that point, um, he has criticized Tobias Harris in the past about his game, about how he needs to step. Which is the last person nature. you should be criticizing because Tobias has- does so much for the team. You really, you really should be throwing Ben Simmons under the bus. And, that's, and he's not doing that. And that's where the issue is. It's the fact of where the criticism is going towards. It's not going towards the player it needs to go towards. As I've stated before in this, in this episode, look, Ben Simmons has been coddled his entire damn career, not just in the NBA, but since he started playing basketball, high school, he was the best guy on the court, and he was told so. When he went to LSU, he was the best guy on the team, and he was told that he was. He comes into the NBA, goes to the Sixers, all right? Man thinks that he can just get away with his game without developing anything. That comes from coaching. That comes from guys, all right, who are just accepting the player for who he is and coddling him. No, we do not need to coddle these young athletes. Tell them where they're wrong. I don't understand where this mentality is coming from, where athletes now all of a sudden are just giving everything. No, make them earn it. What is wrong with people? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I truly don't. Because like Max, you, I, Max, you said it. You're, you're criticizing the wrong person. The person you need to be criticizing is Ben Simmons. And honestly, he, he's taking that criticism now. Not just from the fans. He's also taking it from Doc Rivers as well, who said at a press conference, he was asked, you know, if you can see Ben Simmons being a championship point guard in this league. Ben said, I mean, and Doc Rivers straight up said, I don't know. That's telling. Tanner, Tanner, I want to ask you this question. Do you think Doc Rivers can win a championship in Philly? I do. I do think so, but I do not think it will be with Ben Simmons. Now, Ben Simmons, I don't think Ben Simmons can be coached. I think he thinks he's better than that. I think he thinks that he <laughs> wow. knows already what he wants to do. It's in one ear, out the other with Ben Simmons. I am Man, who I am. I believe he said that before. I think he said that last season, too. And for him to not go to the gym or, I mean, at least it didn't look like he went to the gym and practiced free throws after struggling constantly, knowing it's hurting his team. I mean, even going back to we like to bring up the culture of Philadelphia. Ben Simmons doesn't have it. All right. He, he's from LSU, but I mean, some players can adapt well. But the fact is that when crowd booed the Sixers a season or two ago, Ben Simmons didn't handle that well. He blamed, he didn't, they didn't blame themselves as if Joel Embiid, he, he understands the atmosphere. He knows that if the crowd's booing you, you got to come out better next game. Ben Simmons ripped the Sixers fans saying that's not what they want to hear, blah, blah, blah. And I just don't think he – I don't think he's going to be successful in Philadelphia. Man, now, he, he can be an all-star, whatever, but we're still talking about how he's an all-star and all this stuff he does wrong. 
I think Doc Rivers can win a championship with the Sixers. I don't think it will be with Ben Simmons. That's an excellent point that you bring up, Tanner, and the fact that did you said earlier in this press conference, he said, I am who I am. And those words just that's just ignorant. It's just ignorant. That's just you don't say that after this off. team is down bad. The the fan base just is disappointed. And then he comes out and says, I am who I am. As Shaq would Shaq said he'd slap the shit out of him. I don't blame him. <laughs> I do not blame Shaq. I agree. I would with like Shaq. to see that. <laughs> Let me ask you guys this question. I, w- I want to ask you another question here because we talked about Maxine Tybel. I want to ask Tanner real quick about a Ben Simmons and a strictly Ben Simmons trade, maybe a Shig Milton throw-in piece. You wouldn't clearly get as much value as you would with a Matisse Dibble or Tyrese Maxey involved. But right now, like Tanner or T said with a gun to my head, I really don't want to pull the trigger on a Maxey or Thibel trade. I think they're both valuable pieces to the team going forward. They're both young. They're both on very cheap contracts, still the rookie deals. Would you be fine trading Ben Simmons and then some whether it be no players at all, maybe it be Simmons and two first-round picks moving forward for whatever you can get. Now, you might not be able to get something that's huge as far as you know a, a C.J. McCollum at that point even because he's probably worth more than that. But would you be fine getting how, however much you can get back from it like, as far as keeping Thibel and Maxi and just giving up Ben Simmons? Because at that point, you could still then possibly unload that Ben Simmons contract and have enough cap space to maybe sign a Kyle Lowry or DeMar DeRozan in free agency. With the with the amount of free agents, I'm sorry, Tanner. With the amount of free agents that's out there now, I would just give up. I you can get away with just giving up Ben Simmons. Honestly, you could. I'm just I'm keeping it short, but it, yeah, you could just give up Ben Simmons. I, you can bring in some free agents here and fill in the gaps. That's just necessary. that's just not attractive to me. You have you're giving up Ben Simmons, your second guy, if you're the Sixers for basically. If you can't get a player like CJ McCollum, then it's not worth a trade. If you're just getting yeah, if you're just getting money back or picks back and you're getting free agents like DeRozan or Kyle Lowry or player, it's just I, not I mean worth a player because that point. that's what we have to figure out real quick here. That's we have to figure out what the line is. What what's a player name? Is CJ McCollum is probably above the line. He's somebody we would definitely do it for. There's going to keep going. We go down to Buddy Hill's. Buddy Hill's kind of borderline. He's a very good shooter, not a very good defender. You know, we got to draw that line somewhere as to what is equal value. If we're not going to give up Max or Thibel for a Simmons trade, what is that, that line that you have to draw? The thing with me is that you have Ben Simmons, who uh, the next team that gets him will change him from a point guard. He won't be a point guard, obviously. No. He can't be. You have... A trade with the Portland Trailblazers, which I think would be the most ideal because you have the Trailblazers giving up C.J. McCollum, a guy who's in the shadows of Damian Lillard. Then you add Ben Simmons to that roster with Damian Lillard. You change his position. I think that's that's a dangerous team that you have there. Just because now you have Damian Lillard who basically takes up three players' shooting abilities all in one. He's so impressive. He can do a lot with the ball. He just needs someone to pass it to him or, you know, do some dunking with it or But the main thing is getting Damian Lillard the ball. Now, I don't the thing with me is I don't know if Ben Simmons will do that. But I think if you're the Trailblazers, you go for that because that that's a dangerous team. That that could be a finals team. If you have Ben Simmons, plus, obviously, the Sixers would have to throw in a guy like Shake Milton or something, another offensive player. But I think 
I think that would be an ideal trade. You would, so you're saying you would go back, for it. So you're saying you would you would be would willing to it. include Max Dear Thibel if you can get a superstar player like a high level McCollum or Dame or somebody like that. I think I would include Thibel. Yeah, I think okay. I would include Thibel. I'd be okay with that. I wouldn't, include but Thibel. I just will not be okay with not getting a physical player back and like instead of yeah. opposed to like a a first round pick or a future player. I that doesn't settle right with me. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, there you have it. All right, another solid episode. I know it. I also out low note. Go ahead. Go ahead. Right before we wrap it up, guys, mm. I, I want to bring up. You got to add some humor to the end of the show because it was so depressing. <laughs> I do believe that there is such thing as a Steph Curry curse. I was going to bring it up last show, but Steph Curry goes out and says that his ideal matchup would be the Utah Jazz and the Philadelphia 76ers in the finals. Immediately after saying that, how he was a Sixers fan, both the Jazz and the Sixers <laughs> lost their games immediately after that. And now they are both eliminated. You got to think about that. There's a Steph Curry curse, yeah. and I don't like it. All right. Well, when I find Steph Curry, I'm going to go after him. All right. If you guys missed any of this very depressed, emotional episode, you can always go to philly-experience.simplecast.com. We are available all major download platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the entire Shabazz look. Uh, yeah, this was depressing. Uh, I ho- hopefully, next, maybe, I don't know, guys. Maybe the Phillies will be able to pick us up. Maybe. Just maybe. Maybe. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting up. for the birds. <laughs> you know what? That's what I'm talking about. That's my type of language. Shut your yap. Oh, you piece of Swiss cheese. Bunch of low lifes. You understand what I'm saying to you? He's not your cup of tea.